What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? And today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a revisit of one of our uh, older episodes. Uh, this year, earlier in the year, roughly middle of the season, we decided to do our Pro Bowl kind of projection list, talk about guys who we had pretty much guaranteed at that point, guys who we thought could go on a little bit of a streak and get in, and guys who had like outside shot and may sneak in with the big second half of the year. Uh, we're going to revisit those rankings a little bit, talk about the real-life Pro Bowl rankings, which uh, look a little bit different than ours, and then we're going to go into why we have our guys in our tiers. Uh, before we get started on that, just a quick shout-out to our socials. Follow us on Twitter, at PD34 underscore, and for me, at RealRahulPotty2. And if you guys are enjoying the, this episode or any of the other episodes you guys have heard, uh, check out some of the week-to-week uh, recaps we've been doing throughout the year. Uh, but with that being said, I'll let PD, I'll let you get into it, get started with the first few quarterbacks. Yeah, so we're going to divide this up into groups like we did last time. Uh, first group is locks. Second group is in but arguably out. Um, third group out but arguably in. And then our final group of long shots slash honorable mentions. Not really long shots anymore because the season, regular season is over. But um, yeah, so we're, we're going to divide it like that. Um, and so for the first group, um, these are MVP candidates um, mostly and guys who we think probably shouldn't have any argument to be left off of the Pro Bowl roster. Um, funny enough, one of the guys in our lock group in uh, for both of us did not make the Pro Bowl. Um, so for me, the lock group is Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen. And for Potty, it's Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, and Brock Purdy. Um, yep. I do like the shout of Brock Purdy, um, but uh, let's just start off with the other quarterbacks that we both agree on. So Lamar Jackson, ninth in EPA per play this year, fourth in success rate, ninth in completion percentage over expectation, and third in PFF grade. You can see a bit of a discrepancy between the PFF grade slash success rate and the EPA per play and completion percentage over expectation. I think largely it's due to the Steelers game um, earlier on in the year. We talked about it on the podcast Mm -hmm. where six drops – um, many of them on critical plays. It's tough even when you make adjustments for that type of game from your receivers where they're just exclusively dropping touchdowns and critical passes. Um, that type of thing really downweighted his season. And I think that the ninth in EPA per play figure is not the greatest representation of how he was producing the season. I think he was definitely um, playing at a top five EPA type of production level. Um, but bad luck in that game alone, um, which ended up as one of the worst games for the Ravens offense in total. If you just flip a few of those plays, um, like five, six of those plays from drops into completions, I think that the Ravens have a very good day overall. And Lamar played one of the better games I've seen from a quarterback this season and got rewarded uh, with a negative day in that day. So um, that singular game really hurting his stats, but he's been fantastic. And obviously as a clear MVP favorite right now, and he's going to win the MVP. Um, it's obvious that he's a pro bowler um, for me. Uh, jumping right into the next guy uh, that's on both of our lists, Dak Prescott, second in EPA per play, second in success rate, second in PFF grade, and sixth in completion percentage over expectation, just destroying the box score. 
Um, incredible season from Dak Prescott, where during the middle of the season, he was essentially flawless um, during a stretch from, or basically during that November part of the season. Um, it felt like every single week Dak was um, either the best quarterback in the league that week or somewhere close to it. He was just unbelievable. Um, and down the stretch, he has been very, very good as well. Basically, only having three bad games that are detracting him from having an all-time great season. Um, that would be, in specific, uh, the Cardinals game, um, the Bills game for Dak Prescott, um, and then the last game that's uh, really bothering his stats this year um, would be the Niners game on Sunday Night Football. And I think that um, two of those games being really big games is also hurting his image in the MVP race. Um, he would be right up near the top of my MVP ballot as well. He's just been fantastic this year with placement, um, with aggression down the field, which has been uh, fantastic to see from a Mike McCarthy offense. I, I would have never expected to see something like that. Um, he's just been attacking the middle of the field with violence this year, and it's led to some fantastic results for the offense. Um, just cannot keep gushing enough about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. He's been awesome in one of his first truly healthy seasons in a very, very long time. Um, and then Josh Allen, he's also destroyed box score. Third in EPA per play, third in success rate, second in completion percentage over expectation, um, and first in PFF grade. Um, maybe in a just world, he would have a more serious MVP argument, but given that the Bills lost so many close games and, and so many uh, primetime prime mess-ups by players that weren't Josh Allen, uh, namely James Cook and, and like uh, James Cook again on uh, Sunday Night Football, I guess the Bills dropped one of the best throws from Allen that game. Um, but yeah, Allen has been absolutely fantastic this year with the usual combination of freakish athleticism. Uh, this year, he's been very dialed in with the accuracy. Um, the timing has been continuing to improve. He's just been fantastic again this year. Um, and yeah, if you want to add anything um, to any of those three guys, you can go ahead, buddy. But um, you can talk about Purdy if you want as well, and then I'll chime in with Purdy stuff as well. Yeah, for sure. And as PD mentioned, uh, my four locks are the three guys he had, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, as well as Brock Purdy. And when we were talking about this list prior to recording, kind of the lock tier is the guys who, like PD was saying, have a case for an MVP sort of race or at some point had a case. And because of that reason, you can't really argue them out. And for me, all four of these guys have definitely some sort of MVP case. For me, I think Lamar and Dak do have a clear step above uh, in terms of the MVP race compared to Allen and Purdy. But I do think all of these guys at multiple points of the season definitely had cases for one. And for the most part, all of these guys to this point even now have at least some semblance of a case for MVP and for that reason, there's no way you can leave them out, even though Allen in real life <laughs> did not make the AFC side of the Pro Bowl. Uh, and just a little to add on a little bit to what you were saying with all of these guys, I think some of the biggest things that has put uh, Lamar in this tier as of recent is a lot of statement games against big teams and big opportunities. I think down the stretch, the Ravens had multiple kind of big games that not only had to cement themselves in the AFC, but kind of prove to kind of the other better teams in the league that they 
are kind of the number one powerhouse here. And Lamar was huge in a lot of those games, talking about like that Miami game where he threw five touchdown passes, 300 plus yards. He had a huge statement game against the Niners where he played very well. Multiple good games against teams like the Rams, Jacksonville. And overall at this point in the year has been kind of on a tear. And similar with Allen, even though he's had a lot of games where he hasn't been the best, and I have been very critical of him this year because I do think he has put up a lot of stinkers that we haven't seen anyone else in this list. But at the same time, like PD has mentioned, he's tightened up his accuracy in a lot of these games. He's definitely had poor luck in terms of turnovers. And he's made so many big, important plays, swinging these tight games. And I think it has gone kind of under the radar with a couple of these guys, including Allen, how bad the supporting cast has gotten compared to previous years. I think Mahomes is struggling from that a little bit too, uh, who we'll get into soon. And obviously Lamar's supporting cast is quite poor as well. Uh, but going into two guys who have a little bit better supporting cast, and that's Dak and Brock Purdy. And for me, both of these guys, just by having pretty good teams along around them, Brock Purdy a little bit more so, I think their production has been so insane that you simply can't leave them out of the Pro Bowl conversations. Both of these guys have been incredibly efficient. Like PD mentioned with Dak, he's been on tears, four or five week stretches where he's looked untouchable by any other quarterback in the league, and he's been by far the best. And I think what's kind of evened him out is him having a couple of those stinkers here and there. And same thing with Brock Purdy. He has had a couple of really poor games, like the Cleveland game earlier in the year, like uh, the Baltimore game we saw a couple of weeks ago. Games like that, which even him out, but he has had very flawless games, like the Commanders game we saw last week or the Buccaneers game. And because of those sort of high production games for Dak and Brock Purdy, I think they kind of have to be in this Pro Bowl tier. All right, moving on to the next group for us. Um, Tua, Mahomes, uh, the aforementioned Brock Purdy. And for me, Jalen Hurts is going to make this group. These are the guys who are in, but arguably out. Um, Tua just been fantastic this year. Uh, fourth in EPA per play, fifth in success rate, fourth in completion percentage over expectation, and tied for fourth in PFF grade. So just across the board, looking like a top four to five guy. And when all the metrics agree like that, it's probably a little bit better than just the average of them. Um, yeah, Tua, just his um, usual combination of anticipation, exceptionally good anticipation, like best in the league level, um, very, very good accuracy. Um, very disciplined footwork, um, some movement in the pocket to make those throws, and just could, like very, very tricky eyes. He manipulates defenders um, in very subtle ways to open throwing windows, um, and it's why he's able to just seemingly make the same throw over and over. But it's tough for defenses to guard when the quarterback looks one way and then quickly throws the other way. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've been very impressed with Tua again this year. Um, his supporting cast has been falling apart. Um, down the stretch here, um, there was a famous screenshot going around on Twitter where the entire Dolphins offensive line was on the injury report on one of the days of practice. It was, uh, it's it's been pretty crazy how injured this offense has been. Jalen Waddle missing time um, and dealing with injuries even when he's been healthy. Same thing with Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill has left a bunch of games. He missed a game. Um, has been looking worse down the stretch. 
um, as he did or than he did um, towards the beginning of the year. So through that all, Tua has maintained uh, top four to five production and um, very, very impressive profile for him there. Um, uh, the next guy, uh, I'll actually, I'll quickly touch on Brock Purdy. He's been destroying box score like like no other guy in the league has. Uh, first in the EPA per play, first in success rate, first in completion percentage over expectation, um, tied for fourth with Tua uh, in PFF grade. He has one of the better supporting casts you'll see um, for Ever. at least the next few years. But, um, yeah, similar to Tua, very impressive combination of anticipation and accuracy. Uh, but unlike Tua, uh, he doesn't have that quick release and getting the ball out with relentless speed. Um, instead, he replaces that type of impact with uh, more playmaking out of structure and rushing ability than Tua does. So um, interesting combination there for Purdy and Tua, but they do have a little bit of similar skill sets when they're working in the pocket, in my opinion. Um, the other two guys who made this group for me, uh, and uh, for for one of the guys, it's it's I think it's a little controversial, but uh, for Patrick Mahomes, um, he's he's been very good this year, and that's despite um, what I would describe this year as the first time that his supporting cast has been below average and that he's outperforming the numbers. Um, Mahomes, 10th in EPA per play, 7th in success rate, 11th in completion percentage over expectation, and 10th in PFF grade. So um, the performance is a little dragged down, especially the PFF grade by um, the one game against the Raiders, but I, I understand why he was pretty atrocious against the Raiders. Um, overall, he's been uplifting what's been a very, very poor supporting cast uh, in terms of the wide receivers. Um, outside of Rasheed Rice, the other guys who see the field are like clear negative players, whether that be the likes of Mark Valdez Scantling or Sky Moore. Um, it's just not good out there. Travis Kelsey is looking like he's lost uh, two steps, not just one step. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, Rasheed Rice is very good, but um, having a supporting piece like that as one of the top options isn't the greatest, especially when the number one option type guy in Travis Kelsey is declining. Um, the Chiefs pass blocking is still good, but I would say that it's probably not enough to make up for how horrible some of the receiver plays are on the field right now. And I would overall call that a negative situation. Mahomes has been uh, better than the stats have indicated. Um, and then the last guy that uh, I don't think Potty has in this group, but I do in Jalen Hurts. Uh, there's a lot to talk about here with Jalen Hurts, but I think we've we've talked a lot, or at least I've talked a lot, uh, about how the Eagles don't maximize their personnel by running too many outbreaking routes, not enough play action, too much shotgun, um, a lot of stuff with their run game running downhill and not having the same explosive play rate as a result of that. They're also dealing with a ton of injuries. Um, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith didn't finish the uh, Giants game, so they had Julio Jones out there as wide receiver one. Um, not, a, not a good finish to the season there. Um, and yeah, through it all, Jalen Hurts dealing with an injury of his own, which is part of the evaluation here, but um, worth mentioning nonetheless. He's still produced very well. Seventh in EPA per play, 10th in success rate, eighth completion percentage over expectation, and sixth in PFF grade. Um, honestly, there are aspects of Jalen Hurts' game, such as his downfield aggression, um, that I think have been better than last year. And that's definitely not the narrative going around because of the skid that the Eagles have been on. But the skid that the Eagles have been on is very, very much due to their defense and not very much to their offense, in my opinion. Um, and then, um, yeah, I already touched on on Brock Purdy, and I guess I'll let you get into this group for you. 
Yeah, and my group here, which is the guys who are in but have a little bit of an argument for not being out, are it's slightly similar to PD, but I do have a couple different names in there, and I'll talk about why I don't have some guys and why I do have some other guys. For one, Purdy's not in here because obviously he was in the previous year. I also have Mahomes and Tua, so I'll get into them first. Primarily with Mahomes, kind of like I was talking about with Allen, I think it's kind of gone under the radar how bad the situation in Kansas City has gotten and how much Mahomes has been uh, important in keeping this offense afloat. And if we kind of take the name of most valuable player and just take that with a grain of salt and ignore how well people have played. I think Mahomes has a very, very strong argument for being just a team's most valuable player because of how much he's kept this offense afloat despite them having a lot worse talent than you would kind of expect on paper. I think in most seasons, we see a much different Andy Reid play style coaching style than we're seeing now, which is a lot more conservative, a lot more quick hitters, taking the ball out of Mahomes' hands in terms of playmaking and purely because they don't have the talent. Like PD mentioned with Travis Kelsey, he looks as he's missed a couple of steps. He doesn't have nearly that Hall of Fame level explosiveness and kind of ability to burst in the open field he's not open nearly enough and when you're replacing a receiving core last year which was not very good and it downgraded once again and then you have a guy in Kelsey who had to be at a legendary level in order to make up for the receiving core not being so good uh when both of those things kind of decline it really, really hurts this offense. And we see a much more choppier version of this Chiefs offense. And Mahomes has done a great job of keeping this team afloat. The reason he's not in the lock tier for me is I just don't see in reality uh, a case for him being MVP simply because of lack of production and kind of a higher number than a lot of these other guys of really low, low level games because of kind of the situation being bad. There has been multiple games where Mahomes has kind of gotten in his own head almost or just played really poorly due to consistent mistakes in games. Maybe he's trying to do too much or maybe he just simply doesn't have things and he's forcing it. We saw too many of those games. And for that reason, I just can't have him the highest tier. Uh, And moving on to Tua, he has a very, very different case where his situation is a lot more like Purdy's where the team around him is great and statistically he's playing amazing. His accuracy anticipation, as PD has mentioned, has looked at the top of the league. It's something very, very few quarterbacks in this entire league can replicate and he's been able to do it at a very, very efficient rate. For me, the reason, once again, why he's not in that lock tier, and and honestly has kind of lost it in the second half of the year, and I feel like we saw this a little bit of Tua last year too, where eventually as the season goes on, I feel like we see more and more performances of Tua just dropping stinkers or playing really, really poorly because defenses have kind of found newer ways to stop this Dolphins offense and Tua less so than other quarterbacks in my opinion is able to adjust and beat those situations and when you see them play more and more good teams versus the poor defenses they're like putting up plenty of points 
on earlier in the year when you see them against better teams, Tua's performances consistently go down. However, the production overall and the incredible games throughout the year still put him in here for me. And the next two guys who I believe PD is going to have in the next tier, who I think deserve a spot here, are Matthew Stafford and C.J. Stroud. Uh, obviously, C.J. Stroud, I think the biggest point of contention here, and PD will get into it, is the games number of games played. For me, I'm not huge in taking player down tiers because of missing a couple of games. For me, that cutoff kind of happens at a four to five game point to where where – you are missing a large chunk of the season and taking away a lot for your team. And when you're missing one to three, you don't feel that way as much. But when you do look at it at a more production basis, mathematically, I could see why those two games affect things a lot more. So I can see why Stroud wouldn't be in here. But I think on a per game basis, CJ Stroud definitely deserves to be here. Absolutely historic rookie season has arguments for one of the best of all time. Incredibly efficient very, very good at not turning the ball over. We barely saw him put the ball in harm's way. And even though he had did have pretty solid luck in terms of interceptions, bouncing, I think in general he was still incredible at taking the ball out of harm's way. He was very, very accurate. His deep ball looked far better than anticipated. He was a much better playmaker than anticipated. And overall, I think he hung with this guy's both production value and on a per-game basis, just efficiency and producing uh, positive positive plays for his team. I think he was just as good as all of these other guys. And had he played those two games, I think this would have been even closer to a lock rather than this tier. And a guy in Matthew Stafford, he kind of swayed me more so recently where he started off the season pretty hot and we did have him very high in tiers. And in the middle of the season, he did die down a bit we saw that Matthew Stafford heater that we see all the time kind of slow down. But in the last kind of stretch in the season when the Rams have really needed Stafford to come in and put together games, he has put together game after game of really, really good football. He's looking very accurate. He's been great pushing the ball downfield. He's once again uh, fueling great seasons to both Puka Nakua and a pretty solid season with Cooper Cup as well. Uh, overall, he's been able to do his gunslinging activities and push the ball and create big plays, but still not putting the ball in harm's way and as consistent of a basis as, we, as we've seen previous years, Matthew Stafford. So for that reason, he's in that tier. And the guy who isn't here, who PD had in Hurts, he will come up pretty soon for me. But the reason he doesn't make this tier is because I just don't think he was as consistent as these other guys, I think I do know right now it is kind of the popular thing to pile on Dylan Hurts because of how much the Eagles are struggling and them dropping games overall. But that's not really the reason for why he's not here. I just think more so than these other guys, he's had a lot of really, really bad performances where he's single-handedly losing his team games. And I think I only saw that a few times with Mahomes, Tua, Stroud, Stafford. I think I saw that more a few more times with Hurts, and he didn't really have the high-level games of like a Josh Allen to make up for that many stinkers, even though in some of these recent games he has been incredibly efficient and playing very, very well. Those games early in the year still tip the scales too much in the negative side for me.
Yeah. So the the one thing that I wanted to take away from what you said is, or two things, uh, were regarding or three things rather, um, regarding Stroud, Stafford, and Hertz. So I'll start off with Stroud. Uh, Stroud is two tiers down for me. He's like the flyer tier. Um, I think he would be on the fringes for me if he had played every game, and that's mostly because um, the the game against the Jets where he lost all his receivers. Um, I understand that that was a very difficult situation, especially going up against um, a very strong pass rush. Um, but that, that game was truly horrendous. Um, box score, it, it was worse than the box score, which is, which almost seems unbelievable considering he threw for 92 yards. But um, yeah. that's, that's a good example of the luck coming into play where four interceptable passes, none of them caught. So, yeah, I, I think that game was... Um, pretty significantly bad and it was like it was part of a stretch of play for Stroud which I thought was pretty mediocre um, from for uh, the two games leading up to his injury and then the game he came back from injury um, he looked okay in that game but he was he missed a few throws um, that he could have hit in, uh, in that Tennessee game and then obviously the Jets game was horrendous um, and the Denver game he also a um, couple of turnover-worthy plays one dropped interception one fumble that were bad um, and then he missed a few throws that were uh, makeable for him. Obviously, the heater that he went on from uh, weeks 9 to 12, um, as well as week th- uh, 2 to 5, or the second half of week 2 um, through week 5, those were um, excellent stretches. But I think he's been kind of like, um, I don't want to say up and down on a game-to-game basis, but he's had stretches of good and bad play. And um, uh, I think that the interception luck is is helping uh, him statistically in that regard. Um, he would be in the out, arguably, in tier for me if he was fully healthy. Um, for Stafford, uh, I think, I don't know if I've made this take to you personally or on the podcast or both, but uh, Stafford, if I, I think I've said that if Stafford had a better ability to avoid interceptions um, and better accuracy, he would be my ideal way of playing quarterback. And um, this year, the avoiding interceptions part I think he's had some bad luck with with the turnovers, with miscommunications and such. Um, he's been absolutely fantastic this year in terms of avoiding turnovers. Um, and I I think that uh, with Stafford, um, the accuracy has still been an issue, but mitigating one of those big issues of putting the ball in harm's way consistently and it being his fault, um, that has just gone a long way for me. Um, and he would definitely be in the... Um, inarguably out tier for me if he had played the one game but he's down a tier because of the missed game um and yeah for jalen hurts um i disagree that he's have he has he's had games that have single-handedly lost uh, his team the game but i do agree that he doesn't have um those super high-end games that single-handedly win his team the game i think he kind of finds himself in um the solid game territory quite often and that's because kind of since the Jets game, he barely puts the ball in harm's way. And that's despite the interception totals staying very high. So very bad luck um, down in the second half of the season in terms of interception totals, in my opinion. Um, and I think that uh, this year he's been able to generate explosive plays despite the structure of the offense clearly gearing itself towards not generating explosive plays, which means... Uh, a lot of outbreaking routes in comparison to what Shane Steichen was running. Um, a lot of running the ball from shotgun where they, they're trying to truly death by a million cuts where the ceiling of a play for or, or a run play from shotgun is um, a lot lower than, than that from under center. So they're, they're 
they're running their offense in a specific way to not have explosive plays. And yet still, I think Jalen Hurts is doing a really good job throwing those goal balls, um, making certain throws outside of structure, um, fitting passes into tight windows along the sideline. That, that's been fantastic from him. And I think that um, schematically, this is definitely a negative situation, but the talent uh, around him has mitigated a lot of that to an extent. Um, still, I'm, I'm very impressed with Jalen Hurts' ability to protect the football, despite what the interception totals say. Um, and I like his explosive plays enough to make up for uh, the turnovers anyway. Um, so I'll, I'll transition right into the next group for me, which was going to be Matthew Stafford and another player. Um, and that's Jordan Love. Um, he was in my out, arguably, in group. Um, Jordan Love has just been absolutely on fire uh, for this last uh, month of the season, um, this final stretch. Fifth in EPA per play, 14th in success rate, uh, 15th in completion percentage over expectation, and 12th in PFF grade. So the signal there from that type of box score is a very explosive player, and that's exactly what he is. He can make throws into tight windows deep down the field, Early on in the season, it looked like his ball control and touch were very, very poor, and the deep passes just were not hitting. But as the season has gone on, he's been fantastic working the deep and intermediate areas of the field, um, just explosive plays left and right. Um, he has just been unbelievable in this last month of the season. Now, of course, uh, the thing with Jordan Love is always going to be the untraditional footwork and the way that it affects his accuracy on a throw-to-throw basis now. Um, he's had much better accuracy since essentially the Pittsburgh game. Um, and I think that with a player like him who works a lot from his toes, um, brings his feet together quite a lot, um, doesn't drop back in the traditional way. Um, and that's in order to let himself set up for different types of throwing angles, move around in the pocket. I understand why it works that way functionally, but um, the cost there is going to be consistent accuracy. Um, and I think he's working on a serious heater right now. Um, and that kind of push towards the end of the season um, has led me to believe he's right in this honorable mention territory. He's also cut back on the turnover-worthy play uh, percentage, which I think that I would have expected to be quite high for him. But um, he's made a ton of explosive plays to make up for any type of turnovers. Um, and yeah, that, that part has been really impressive too. He's also been uh, doing a good job of avoiding sacks. Um, just generally, the Green Bay pass blocking has been a lot better than the first part of the season as they've gotten healthier. Um, and yeah, the Packers offense is really fun to watch. They're firing on all cylinders. Jordan Love has been aggressive um, and accurate in stretches. Um, and he's definitely using his arm talent uh, in ways that enable high-level efficiency for the offense. So that part has been very impressive to me. Yeah, and before I get into my tier over here, just qu quick responses to all of your other guys. Uh, Stafford, I know, comes in this tier for you. I ha I obviously just had him in the tier previously. I think our real disagreement here comes down to the missed game. And I think if I, I did take that more into account, he would fall, fall to this tier. So fair enough. I think when we talk about Hurts, I do agree that his – interception total is kind of deceiving and he has been incredibly unlucky has had multiple tip picks and whatnot but I think when you take into account his amount of fumbles and just kind of the overall amount of times he's putting the ball in harm's way we're still ha seeing it a considerable amount of times consider compared to other quarterbacks when you 
combine his turnover where he throws and these fumbles as well. And I think because of all of those situations, we haven't necessarily had a bunch of games where he's openly losing his team games. Maybe I misspoke in saying that, but he was still massively contributing because of the amount of times he's putting the balls in harm's way or having he has had a couple of games over the last month or month and a half where the accuracy has looked off as well. And I think those games just aren't made up for by where we both agree the very high-level games, which he just simply hasn't had. He has had a lot of very good games, but he hasn't had those elite games, which would put him in kind of the more certain tiers, especially when he has the kind of lower end games. And when looking at Stroud's season, I do agree that he does have a very, very bad game, one of the worst out of any of the quarterbacks we've watched in that Jets game. And a couple of questionable games the weeks before, too. I wasn't too low on that Jaguars game, actually. So for me, it's more just that Broncos, Jets, and Titans game. But I do kind of take that Jets game with a little bit of grain of salt because of obviously him losing both his main receivers and kind of having replacement guys at every position uh, around him and a lot of injuries, even to the line, had a backup running back, multiple receivers out. And when you're talking, facing an elite defense with not only a very ferocious pass rush that day, but a very good secondary. I think it was just a very tough situation and things piled on for Stroud. And I think unlike a guy like Hertz, he does have those high level games to make up for having stinkers like that one, though it was really, really bad. So I do think that combined with the missed games does put Stroud in the edge of the in but small argument for out territory but he still does make it just there and going into my next tier here where and where me and pd agree is i also have jordan love i think jordan love has looked just like pd said incredible in this last month month and a half it's really seemed he's gotten his confidence and has figured out how to play consistently on a week-to-week basis. One of the biggest things with Jordan Love early in his career, and even a lot of this season, was how up and down he was because of kind of the inconsistency with his accuracy. And you could call it right a heater right now, but it could just be Jordan Love kind of finally getting into his own and becoming the quarterback that he can be with his athletic abilities and his arm talent. And when we're seeing the high-end outcome right now for Jordan Love in this last month and month and a half, it has really propelled him up. And I was pretty critical of him for the first half of the season, too. I do think this first half, he did have a bunch of games where I was confused if he could even be a starter long-term. And he will we'll probably continue to see games like that. We may even see one of those games in the playoffs, which is going to once again skew the narrative on Jordan Love, which I feel like the narrative on him changes every week on Twitter on how people feel based off whether he has an up game or a down game. But <clears throat> this last stretch that he's had, very few quarterbacks this year have put together similar level stretches and kind of a weak quarterback year this last like five, six weeks. There's been very few quarterbacks better than him. And for that reason, he is up here in this category for me. Uh, the guy who didn't just barely miss the last category uh, for me, that's Jalen Hurts. He's in here. And a guy, another guy who you didn't have uh, in Jared Goff, he makes it in for me. And 
Honestly, I'm a little bit surprised Jared Goff didn't end up in a higher category with the heater he started off the season with. But I think multiple, multiple really low-level games happening in the second half of the season has dropped him off massively uh, for both of us. To me, he barely made this tier two, and I think he was very close to being just honorable mention. The only reason that I did still have him is because of the high-end, kind of high-efficiency games he does have. And I know a lot of that does have to do with the Lions system being incredible for him. Amon Ross and Brown has been amazing. And kind of him and Laporta being <coughs> always there and big targets for Goff in the open, in the middle of the field. And then having such a prolific run game with Gibbs and Monty being able to set up the play action for Jared Goff, who does love the play action and is one of the best in the league at that. They have put him in a perfect situation, and for that reason, he's slightly downgraded. Uh, <clears throat> but the high-level games that we saw, especially to start off the year, is just too much for me to not have him at least be in the conversation for the Pro Bowls. I do not not like him having games like the Bears game uh, earlier in December or the other Bears game, but he still has very, very high-level games that kind of make up for that and overall even it out to a pretty good season for Jared Goff. Yeah, I'd be fine putting Jared Goff in the out arguably in tier. Um, just for me, though, the the issue is, um, so those three games, the both Chicago games and the Thanksgiving Green Bay game, both of those, or all three of those were horrendous, like like truly very, very bad quarterback. Play. Like you're not going to win um, with the stuff that he was doing in regular time, not garbage time. Um and I think that um, while he does have some very nice games to make up for that, we also have to think about how we're going to adjust for his situation a little bit. So um, unlike for Tua, I don't think he's been dealing with like the same injuries uh, along the offensive line where like for Tua, like I was talking about, um, like there was a whole week where the whole offensive line was on the injury report. Like it's it's been crazy the type of injuries the Dolphins have been dealing with. Um, just to kind of draw a parallel between two guys who are – who have been called "quote unquote" uh, system quarterbacks or game managers or whatever, um, but for Goff, um, he has Ben Johnson, obviously great, great offensive mind. Amon Ross St. Brown missed one game, um, and the offensive line for the Lions has been pretty consistent. Um, they've just been very, very good the whole year. So um, that's kind of the discrepancy I see between a guy like Tua and Goff. I would describe the situation for Goff as a very solid positive, and for Tua overall, it's still a positive, but. Um, with the amount of injuries that uh, they sustained, it's it's less of a positive than than you would think it is initially. Um, and I guess I'll use that to kind of transition to the final group I have, um, which was uh, we already talked about CJ Stroud a little bit, but he was in this group for me because mostly because of the injury. Um, and uh, we just talked about Goff. Um, so fit, very fitting that we finish off with the guy that I have the most to say about, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Um, so Trevor Lawrence this year, I think he's been, he was going to be in the inarguably out or the out arguably in prior to his high ankle sprain, which is typically an injury that keeps guys out for like a month, but he decided to play through it. Like he typically does, uh, a bit of a warrior only ended up missing one game, which was the week 17 game. And his performance from, uh, the Cleveland game onwards has been kind of generally horrendous and it's. To me, it's pretty clear why. Um, we were watching the Tampa Bay game in person together, 
Um, and I remember pointing out like four or five separate times that Trevor Lawrence just sailed another throw. He just doesn't have the ability to step into the throw very well. And obviously in, in something like this list, um, that kind of shows up as part of the evaluation, the injury. Um, and that's why he's far off into the, the long shot territory where um, I wouldn't hate it if you put it on the list, but he's not going to be on the list for me. Um, but to kind of dissect why he's in the long shot and just not even in consideration for me, um, press Taylor's offense. So the, the offense for the Jaguars is just so, so like – it, it doesn't it's, – it's not the type of offense that produces high-level efficiency. They run a ton of routes that don't uh, set receivers up for good yards after catch opportunities. It's a lot of stop routes on the outside. It's a lot of uh, full uh, across-the-field type throws from the far hash. Um, they're asking Lawrence to drop the ball into a bucket into a tight window, which he's done multiple times. Well, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, uh, Lawrence, also his receivers – uh, aren't exactly suited for this type of role. So Calvin Ridley, I would love to see him be used as more of a motion-heavy type of player. But with Christian Kirk also there, he's also like a very motion-heavy type of player. And with Zay Jones missing time this year, Zay Jones is one of those guys who doesn't really need that type of motion-heavy uh, role. So um, without Zay Jones there, it kind of turned into a lot of, uh, I don't like using this word, but quote-unquote gadgety type of guys who need a lot of motion to work their routes to get open. And, um, that type of lack of synergy was something that ended up showing up in the middle of the year when their efficiency was a little bit questionable. Um, and then the other couple of things that I wanted to talk about uh, is the actual supporting cast, not just the coaching. So uh, in terms of the receivers, um, the amount of plays that the receivers have left on the table that aren't drops. So plays along the sidelines where it's kind of a tough catch, but you should get your feet down with two feet in bounds and, and make a big play. Um, and that's showed up mostly with Calvin Ridley, where it's felt like he should have an extra five touchdowns for um, what he should, what he actually had this year, where uh, in the back of the end zone or the corner of the end zone, he just drops the ball or just can't get his feet down in time. Um, showed up most notably in the Kansas City game for, for Trevor Lawrence, where Calvin Ridley had like two or three plays in the end zone, um, if you want an example for that. Um, it's also happened for Christian Kirk and Zay Jones um, and the likes of Tim Jones and stuff. Um, so the receivers aren't being aren't able to make plays along the sideline. On top of this, Christian Kirk also got injured. So that just immediately takes away who was maybe the wide receiver one for this team um, with the way that Calvin Ridley looked rusty, very rusty at points during this year. Um, and then the last thing that I have to mention is the run game and the pass blocking. Um, the run game for the Jaguars is absolutely horrific. Down the stretch, they had literally no ability to run the ball at all. They literally... I, I think it, it would be fair to call the Jaguars the worst running game in the league uh, down the stretch. They were that horrible. Um, mm -hmm. They just generated very few explosives, and this is despite them having a very diverse run game. It's just that they don't have the facilities to execute that type uh, of game with their run blocking. It's just not very good at all, and that sets up the offense in negative game scripts, which then they have not very good passing concepts for. It's just, it's just not very good at all. Um, and then in terms of the pass protection – um, this is an area where Trevor Lawrence can mitigate with his sack avoidance, but still it shows up when the um, pass blocking is below average and you need um, the types of big plays when they're in these negative game scripts on plays like third and eight. Um, someone has to make a play and often it's entirely up to Trevor Lawrence to put the ball in a super tight window along the sideline because the play caller has called a route that's not going to be 
generating high level yak opportunities. Um, and the receiver is probably not going to make a super difficult contested catch along the sideline. It's just, it's just so much going on for the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I would just say for the, for like the future, I'm not selling stock on Trevor Lawrence. Um, and for right now, if you wanted to make an argument that, uh, this situation has been so negative that even with the play down the stretch, uh, you wanted to boost Trevor Lawrence into something like the out arguably in tier. Um, I wouldn't be entirely opposed. I think he's been, he was so good in the first half of the season, especially um, where he would have clearly been in that tier and maybe the inarguably out tier. Um, and down the stretch, he's played a little, he's definitely played worse, um, mostly due to the injury, but that's part of the evaluation. And I, I, I just think that uh, the discussion on him has gone too far uh, for this season and especially for the future. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I'll, first thing we agree on is Trevor Lawrence being here in the honorable mentions. Obviously, I already listed both Goff and Stroud in my previous two tiers. So they do not make it here and neither does anyone else. I think the only guy for me who fit here was Lawrence. And I think the reason he's an honorable mention is purely the situation that Petey just described is because for a lot of this year, we did see a much improved version of Lawrence. We saw the guy who maybe didn't necessarily fulfill what we would we all wanted in him going into that elite tier with guys like Mahomes, Allen, Lamar, but he was still playing at a very high caliber. And obviously that injury has kind of derailed what would have been the rest of his season and what looked to be him on pace to end this game, end the season very, very well. But like we were talking about with Stroud, with Stafford, much like those guys we took away from them missing because they missed games. Just like that, Lawrence was on the field. He was still healthy enough to play. And the games we see there do definitely need to be taken into account. And unfortunately, they were stinkers. Uh, in my mind, moving forward, how I look uh, – uh, Think to think about Lawrence, this doesn't necessarily take away from it too much. I don't think this is what Lawrence is. I don't think this is him fulfilling his capabilities. But when we're looking at this season individually, those are the games we saw on the film. And because of that, he is going to fall into this category. He had multiple bad games versus teams like the Titans, the Bucks the Ravens, even that that Cleveland game was ridiculous how many times he put the ball in harm's way. And some of that did seem to be because of the injury. He's simply not able to step into his throws. He looks less comfortable in the pocket. He's not moving as fluidly. But some of those decisions, specifically some that I remember from the Browns game, were just him kind of throwing it up and making a terrible decision making a terrible read and he has had kind of a combo of those things and I think Trevor Lawrence is already a very aggressive quarterback he likes to take those risks put the balls in somewhat dangerous territory so to say to make those big plays uh, but I think when he's injured in this sense and We've seen a lot of guys like Mahomes, Herbert, even Lamar have to kind of adjust their games on the fly midseason because they're dealing with injuries that aren't necessarily allowing them to play the way they would like to play, the way they typically play. And I think that's something Lawrence faced this year. There's, well, there was a clear injury that wasn't letting him play how we know Trevor Lawrence uh, plays, and he wasn't necessarily able to adjust. 
And one big thing that you talked about, PD, that I really, really liked was the offensive scheme. I think that with many of these guys has gotten very under the radar how bad it has been. I, I love that you mentioned the run game. I think that's been huge for them or not huge for them, so to speak, because of how bad that has been. I think when you have a strong run game, it would really, really help a guy like Trevor Lawrence who likes to take those shots. And when you have to keep defenses honest with runs here and there, it allows the def- things to open up a little bit more and Trevor Lawrence to take those shots and maybe little bit more expanded zones in the secondary because they're biting more on the run. But I feel like this Jags team has a lot of zone heavy run schemes and they have a lot of linemen who can't really execute that. They have a lot of bigger linemen, a little bit slower, not really able to get out and make those blocks. And as a result, we see a very inefficient season out of ETN, no real run game getting established throughout the year even their backups outside of etn have pretty rough years and i think that really stalled this offense as a whole and that when you combine that with all the problems as that pd mentioned with the skill positions i think one of the biggest problems you really highlighted was the lack of good route choices there's too many times where i'll see a third and ten or a fourth and long that the jags have and you see them throw a fade route to calvin ridley or a stop route to christian kirk or long developing routes that don't even get to the top of where they need to be by the time the pressure gets to trevor lawrence just constant stuff that don't necessarily lend itself for those receivers not many quick hitters to help out Trevor Lawrence who clearly has a struggling offensive line in front of him and is limited mobility wise already and it doesn't help that Calvin Ridley was not so good this year Evan Ingram who had a career year last year kind of regressed a little bit to what we know him to be Christian Kirk dealt with injuries all year and also wasn't necessarily the guy we saw last year. Same thing with Zay Jones, dealt with a lot of injuries. And after that, you get to a lot of guys who don't even necessarily deserve to be on an NFL field. And I think this Jaguars offense desperately, desperately needs a big-time playmaker as a receiver to come help out because you need someone who can consistently get open and does not need to be schemed open. I feel like when the Jaguars had good offense, it's when they were going everyone sending everyone east and west on multiple crossers. And after maybe three, four seconds, you force Trevor Lawrence to drop a dime downfield in tight coverage on a very tightly covered crosser. And that was the only real way they're getting offense to happen. And they need somebody who can just consistently get open for Lawrence and get in space and just make offense in that way. Because until they do that, it's going to look incredibly difficult. And you're going to force Lawrence to make a lot of tough throws, which he's capable of doing in spurts. But it's tough to replicate that over the course of a whole season. It's just not good offense. It's not easy offense. And you need easy offense if you want to be successful overall, whether it comes in the run game, whether it comes in the short pass game. You need something that you can go to consistently to get easy yards to work off of. And this Jaguars offense simply doesn't have that. And that's part of the reason Lawrence has struggled so much. Yeah, so just to throw some stats on what I was talking about, um, the Jags overall this season, 27th in EPA per play, 
uh, rushing the ball and 31st in success rate. But if you restrict that to the back half of the season, so weeks 10 to 18, they dropped to 29th in EPA per play and 32nd in success rate. So wow, su- success rate with uh, the running the football is an important stat because it tells you how many of these runs are actually like giving you a chance to move the chains. And that exact stat that I was, or that exact stat is perfect for um, describing the point that we were making about putting the team in consistent third and longs. Um, and that's that's just really the issue that's that's killing the team, I think. Um, one thing I should mention with Trevor Lawrence, I don't want to be gushing uh, or making it seem that way about a player um, who's having a clear down year. I, I do want to mention that uh, his fumble problem is like egregiously bad. Um, his inability to just protect the football when he's rushing uh, or in the pocket, he just very, very loose with the football. Barely, it, it just kind of seems like he just prefers to have one hand on the football. And I understand that to like an extent. Um, the playmaker in him wants to uh, be able to fire off these throws on, on, on from different angles. And that, that kind of leaves the ball unprotected sometimes. But um, I would like to really see him improve upon that. Maybe just try to make those plays out of structure while keeping two hands on the ball. It gets a little harder to maintain speed and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that's a clear area of weakness for him right now is the fumbles. Um, the interceptions, I think um, I would I would love to see him get rid of those or, or make those um, less impactful. But I think they're a necessary evil to his game if he wants to continue to keep his foot on the gas pedal with the aggression down the field. Um, so those I have less of a problem with is the fumbles are like egregiously bad. So, um, that's, that's one thing that definitely needs fixing from him and him alone. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I just don't understand the, the selling of stocks that's going on right now with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and I think that him for the future and even him this year, um, there's not too much reason to be overly concerned with where he is and where he's going. Yeah. I do agree with that, and one thing maybe uh, to throw out there for a reason people may be selling stock is I could see people not necessarily being too high on trusting the Jaguars to put a system and team around Trevor Lawrence to be successful. It's not necessarily something we've seen this team do, and so far their track record, though limited, it hasn't looked the best, and if anything, the situation has regressed from last year, which was a pretty solid situation for him, produced a very good season. This season, all of the additions they necessarily made didn't look too good, and I don't necessarily see a path where things significantly change by the next season. I don't know where they get that playmaker. Uh to help Trevor Lawrence consistently. And I could see that being something that people see as something that's going to set back Lawrence. And until the Jaguars can get over that hump, Trevor Lawrence may not be able to reach that full potential. Because as I'm starting to get more and more worried, that might end up being the case with the Jaguars and Lawrence. Yeah, definitely some front office concerns. Um as you as a Niners fan would know, um, yep. current GM is not not exactly uh, <laughs> up to par. Yeah. Not exactly up to par with yeah. what I would say uh, is, is great uh, NFL GM stuff. Uh, anyway, um, that'll be all from us for this one. Make sure to like, leave a rating, do whatever you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at P34 underscore and Real Ruffle Potty too. That'll be all for me. That'll be all for Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Well,
Yeah, we could be superstars.